session with Dr. Farid Holakwi. Good evening. Welcome to In Session. I'm your host, Dr. Fadi Dolakwi, and I'll be with you for the next hour here on Radio Hamra. Not taking any calls today because I have a guest, which I'll be introducing to you shortly. And because of that, I'll do the book review on Wednesday's show. Uh, but let me introduce to you our guest tonight, an incredible artist. Ali Sabet is an Iranian-American artist and designer. His work shines with vibrant optimism, love, and beauty in the face of it all. And I can also add he's very humble because I asked him for uh, a bio and he sent me something very brief, but we're going to get into all the wonderful things he does. Ali John, thank you for joining me tonight. Thank you so much for having me. It's definitely an honor. And uh, you'll find out I'm not short for words. Good. So I think we'll be good. <laughs> I'm happy to hear that. Neither am I. So we'll see if we, I think we'll get through this conversation maybe too quickly. But, um, you know, as I mentioned, you're an incredible artist. If you don't know Ali Sabet, I'd recommend checking out his work online uh, on his Instagram page. He has a lot of things. He has a website. We'll get into to the art. I could also mention you know, how we connected. And it's kind of sure. funny. It's such a, a 21st century kind of way of meeting. I had heard about you and your art through through many people. But then one day we're both in the same clubhouse room and both came up to speak and then connected there and then met in the back channels and then yeah that was, that was actually really exciting because those i'd heard about you through my wife because she was so uh, when she had heard you speak she, he's like she's like you know i can understand everything he's saying because it's you know she speaks some farsi and um so it was really cool to hear be excited about you and then when i saw you i was like ah I got I got to talk to him. How you doing? So it's it was really cool to be able to meet you in that way. And Clubhouse had become uh, a very comfortable place to be, especially with the NFT world and mm -hmm, stuff. Mm -hmm. And and I've met so many different amazing people that there would have been no way uh, for us to meet, including yourself, yeah. including you know different actors and business people and things like that. It really changed the way we do business. And when I think about you know the things that have come out of it i mean me sitting here is because of that that day yeah right, right yeah it's pretty amazing i think you know social media are also here it's sometimes called social audio things like clubhouse or mm -hmm. twitter spaces obviously people will talk about how like people go there and they distract themselves from relationships but i think sure. it's also a great way to connect with people like you're, you know we're saying we wouldn't have met if it wasn't for for that night and that uh Media or that way of connecting with. One is it another. comfortable? For, was it comfortable for you, like when you got on? Were you yeah. like, this is like the radio, but but interactive? <laughs> yes and no. You know, it's intro. I've done a lot of those. I've done clubhouse rooms before. Uh, you know, when it first was starting, maybe two years ago or whenever it was. Um, but that was different because you know the NFT space. We won't go too deep into it, but that's a newer sure. space for me. So NFTs, which for people who are completely unfamiliar with it, it's related to cryptocurrency in a way. But imagine art that's digital, and you only can own it technically in a way digitally um, we'll leave the, the 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 remainder of the intro for a ted talk or a master class another time but sure. um yeah it was that space is newer for me which i also think that's always something i try to be mindful of is to go into new spaces because i think 
our tendencies to stay in the same space. And actually, if we trace your career, which is something I want to do in some degree because of where you found your passion and your calling, we have to be open to new things. Sure. And so something I think is interesting, sometimes I'll work with couples and it's a big thing is to recognize your partner. Although you think you know them, you don't fully know them because we're all so complex. Right. But I recognize, recognize the same thing is happening with ourselves that we almost want to think, no, I don't like this. I only like that because it feels safer and more comfortable to think I completely know myself. Right. Whereas we're much more complex than that until we allow the space to explore different things, we actually won't see what we enjoy, what we like, what we're passionate about. We have to expose ourselves, but that's always gonna feel a little bit vulnerable. Oh yeah, I mean, getting on Clubhouse at, at the beginning and talking in front of whatever, even five people yeah. was not an easy thing, especially if you hadn't been on the radio talk show host or <laughs> whatever uh -huh. else that may be. I mean, I had a little bit of experience from here and there being interviewed or being on sure. these smaller shows on YouTube or doing my own, you know, painting with my right hand and recording myself with the left. Uh -huh. I'd kind of gotten used to some of that stuff, uh, but being in a, you know completely exposed consistently every day in front of people was definitely something new. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, uh, for a lot of people, it was in Clubhouse. It was interesting timing with the pandemic um, that people were just looking for a place to talk and connect and, and it came yeah. out around that time and it became what it became. But coming back to you as, as sure. an artist, because I think, as I mentioned, I really hope people will check out your work. I'm looking, you brought me very kindly a piece of your uh, artwork that, that's behind you right now. Um, but you didn't start as a painter. Uh, it seems like you always, from what I'm gathering, were always artistic in a way, but you were first in branding or and marketing side. So right. maybe we can, as I was mentioning, tracing your career a bit to how you found what I would, I, when I see you work, it looks very clear that it's your passion and your calling, but uh, we can maybe talk a bit about that. So you started in branding originally, right? I started as a, as a well, I went to school for advertising creative. Uh-huh. And then when I left, I was an art director intern at a couple of big agencies. So I worked on things like Kawasaki, AirTouch, Taco Bell, and I started my agency life on purely Taco Bell after my mm -hmm. initial, uh, you know, stint at Bozal Advertising. So I was kind of forced into it because of the fact that there was really nothing else I knew that I was supposed to do because I was just kind of like guided to like, oh, you can't, you don't have enough credits to be an engineer. You don't have enough credits to be a <laughs> psychologist, whatever. Uh -huh. Oh, what can I do? And they're like, oh, you can do communications. You can do advertising. And that's a, it was like basically a cop-out major at the beginning. Okay. And, uh, but it naturally it worked out to be the right place for me, at least for that phase of my life. Right. So I came out, I worked at uh, Foot Cone and Belding, which I ended up designing for Taco Bell for, I want to say, nine months. Mm -hmm. And uh, my high levels of anxiety wouldn't allow me to work the right way. Oh. The bosses picked up on that, and they're like, you got to go. Like, literally, he's like, you got to go. Really? Okay. I think I opened, the first day I went into the job, uh -huh. I ended up having a panic attack. I thought I was having a heart oh, attack. Oh, wow, yeah. Which is the most common <laughs> but, thing people think when they're having a panic attack right. is that it's a heart attack, yeah. So uh, my poor boss had to take me to the hospital. Uh, so that's kind of how it started. And then when I left, I was like, you know what? Advertising seems kind of small for me. Hmm. How many times can I say 99 some burritos on the freeway and be excited about what I've done with my life? So I wanted something more impactful, and I found myself being a natural at identity development, brand strategy, mm. creating things for people to make an impact in their life. Mm -hmm. So creating a logo for a restaurant, for example, 
it's something that I could still drive by today and see them and see it growing. And, you know, it was, and you see the person, the mom and pop shop that's trying to grow, their lives change. And through that, they were having transformational things happening. And I was a part of that. Mm. By showing them, like when I have transformational events in front of me, when I paint for someone, I was doing it through logos. So there was already, you know, when I look back through my life, there was already signs of me creating, doing the healing stuff. Yeah. All of that stuff was already there. Mm -hmm. It's just I wasn't aware that it was happening. You know, showing somebody their logo and their, you know, tears coming down their face was a kind of a normal thing mm -hmm. you know wow. male female whatever today i paint and i have those physical responses to the work so when i look back that was kind of the beginning of it but alongside it i had been drawing and illustrating all along since i was like five years old you know since i was in iran my mom brought me back my notebooks from when i was a kid mm -hmm. and you know you have you know the grade and then you have a little doodle, uh -huh. <laughs> and right next to the doodle it says, Afarin, you know, good job, or uh -huh. whatever. So I wasn't discouraged either. Like, you, you know, as a kid, you doodle yeah. in your notebook, somebody's gonna say, you know, hey, you're not doing your the math, work, or right? you're not yeah. doing your inshow, or whatever it is. Whereas in this in this sense, I, when I read back, there was no, you know, uh, the subject matter has changed. The subject matter might have been, I remember I used to draw a lot of tanks and guns and planes we all probably did if you were mm -hmm. i don't know if you were in the in iran during i the was war. born i was born here you were born yeah, right yeah. here yep so i came here when i was 10 yeah 1986 so i did experience the war and i think that used to come out in my work obviously mm -hmm. as a child sure. right all the way to 10 11 and then we moved here and i continued to draw but it was more as a way of uh, dealing with daily anxieties, trauma from whatever childhood, and then trauma here as a kid, mm -hmm. learning how to be an American Iranian instead of a Iranian Iranian. Yeah, I didn't speak English. I had to learn how to deal with that. And I think drawing was always an ex uh, an escape. And but I wasn't good at it. Like I didn't really try to get better at it either. Uh -huh. you, you get what I'm saying? But you enjoyed it from a young age, but you weren't necessarily good at I, it? I wasn't good at it, no. Oh, I, I mean, I wasn't it. trying. Like, yeah. literally in college, I had one illustration class, and I got a D. And the teacher looked at me and goes, why are you here? Wow. And I'm like, what do you mean? Yeah. She's like, if you're not going to put any effort into this, why are you here? Uh -huh. And I think that's what she meant. And I remember doing one project that I did put effort into, and and then she accused me of cheating. She's like, "This isn't you. <laughs> you uh, it was so much better than the work you were doing so up to much that point. I, yeah. Like I used references, like you said, and she's like, um, "Yeah, I don't believe it." And oh, wow. you know, so uh, you know, I had that reaction because, like, I think for people, it's always nice to hear, like, because they see your work now, and to imagine you got a D in an illustration class, it could be, yeah. you know, keep give people some hope that you know maybe means like you have more than you realize. I also wonder if you weren't. Sometimes the things we really want to be good at, we're afraid to really try because we're like, what if I'm not good at it? So right. I've seen people who, like, for example, want to maybe sing, but they're afraid right. to even give themselves a chance to really try because yeah. they can always hold on to the hope that maybe I can do it. But if I actually go for it, then I see what I've got. You know, it's like, sure. so I don't know if maybe there was some passion there and you were still waiting to find it or waiting to express it. I think it was more of a resistance yeah. to learning. Uh-huh, yeah. I've always had, like, a like I want things to be downloaded. Like, uh -huh. the, I want it to be magical. I want it to be, like, and, but every time I did take that step to learn something new, it made that magic even better. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, so as I removed the resistance from creating um, 
based on just what comes through. And I'm like, no, let me look at, people have done it for ages. Let me look at how eyes are supposed to be positioned. Let me look at how lips are supposed to be drawn. If you look at the uh, feminine portraits that I was doing in 2013, which isn't that long ago, mm-hmm. if you pay close attention, they almost look like mustaches in some ways, right? <laughs> so uh, it took me, and you know that resistance was there. I was like, no, I'm gonna do it the way I, you know, this is, there was this like constant, because, you know, you always been told, or you, I had a job as a branding guy again, mm-hmm. you know, for 20 years, 25 years, to be perfect and to do things the way I was supposed to do them, so I can sell something for someone or make something pretty, like the Thayer's Witch Hazel bottle. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I got to show it to you. But when I was doing stuff like that, there was a purpose to it. There was a, it's design as objective, and there is no, um, there's some, you know flexibility okay. mm-hmm. you know but at the same time you have to you have so many rules to abide by for something to be so simple elegant and powerful yeah that you're going to have a hard time uh being super creative and then on top of it you have a client telling you what they want or what they need mm-hmm. so when you're dealing with all of that stuff there's not a whole lot of room for creativity right but more for objectivity and design and all that stuff so when i was on canvas when i would hold a brush when i would hold a pen uh, no one could tell me like Oh, that's not good. Oh, it's ugly. All right, whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't care. I'm gonna do me. Yeah. I'm gonna put what's out, and what was coming out at that time was anxiety, fear, you know, whatever that you know mm-hmm. that what is. Was, what was going on inside of you? Inside of me, yeah. the human aspect, right? Yeah, you know, that's uh, you know, it seems like the interest is always there. I always think art is one of those fascinating things where of course like you see people and it's like natural and there's something about it but often learning the techniques can be mm-hmm. good and then it's like people learn the techniques and then they learn to kind of break them in their own ways or you know so it's like you want to be a dancer it's like you learn all the moves but then if you create something new it's going to be different than anything that's out there but usually getting some training can be helpful even though it's sure. art and it's so artistic i don't know what your thoughts on that are i think training is great uh, for basics and building structures, but also being able to go out and play. Mm-hmm. The way I got good at the craft in 2015, as I was telling you when we talked last time, I was like, I made a decision, like a conscious decision. If I'm going to be a painter, am I painting? I'm not. I'm not painting, right? I'm not doing any. I'm designing, but uh-huh. I have this dream of being a painter and designing and creating work and selling my art. And over here, I'm not, I'm literally all I'm doing is looking for the next client, designing, and it's really not going anywhere. Uh, so in January of 2015, I made a conscious decision. I'm going to go wherever I'm going to go. I'm going to go sit in a coffee shop. I'm going to paint and I'm going to do it for hours. And that's really when you see the cusp of change. And I made a decision again, 2010, I made a decision that I was going to draw the characters like Stitch Bunny and all the stuff that I was doing. And I wasn't going to package it to try to monetize it. And then I did that again in 2015 as a painter. So a character designer, it was like one chapter of my life and then another chapter was painter. So accepting myself as a painter also took Hmm. at least five years between me being a character illustrator to, no, I'm going to paint. It's different. I'm going to express all that is, not just this constraint character. Because And that happened through the course of, you know, between the... 2005 and 2015 of exploring on canvas again as i told you a friend of mine my wife would say you know i've seen you do better why are you doing this messy stuff and uh, and she kind of curated my work in a lot of ways whereas at first again there was resistance doesn't matter i'm going to do me i already do what other people want Mm. you know while i'm designing this isn't about that and 
as I watched her kind of pick pieces, for example, one night she had put up pieces in her house. And when I came home, they were actually unfinished pieces. Mm. In her mind, they were beautiful because I hadn't taken the chance, I hadn't had the chance to mess them up yet. Uh. <laughs> so, you know, uh-huh. so for her, and, and that's when I started to again realize like, I don't have to wear everything on my sleeve. Mm-hmm. I can hold some back. That it doesn't mean to be creativity, doesn't mean you got to like blast, you know, all your emotions onto one canvas necessarily. It could be, right? but it doesn't have to be as well. Yeah. Um, you know, we're at a commercial break. I think there's a few really interesting points that maybe we can get to after the break. Even that decision, like, see yourself as a painter. Right. Um, and even, like, you know, I guess the thing that makes someone a painter is they paint. The thing that makes someone a writer is they write. Right. But what I think is interesting is when we look at it after the fact, it seems like it was always the case, but that person found their journey, you know, whoever, you know, any writer you like, maybe they were a writer from the day they were born, but probably not. They had to find that. And I think sure. that's the part where when we look back, it seems very easy. Like, well, it had, it was meant to be that way, but people, anyone listening right now, they're probably on some journey of figuring out what is their own path. And so we can maybe get into that a bit of sure. how you found that. So again, I'm joined by Iranian American artist, Ali Sabet. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Again, I'm joined by artist Ali Sabet. You know, Ali, before the break, you were sharing a bit about your journey, drawing from a very young age, but right. that around seven years ago, you made this conscious decision that I'm, I'm going to be a painter mm-hmm. and, you know, what that meant. And I thought that was, to me, that's fascinating because there's a sense you have to believe in yourself in, in a way and trust in that and to take that step. Uh, and I think if anyone watches you paint now, they're like, oh, okay, so this guy's always been doing this. And that's what I thought too until you told me when we had a phone call a while back. And I find that fascinating for people to hear because, you know, people might think, well, I'm like, however, whatever age they are, if I haven't done it yet, I'm not, I'm not good at it or I shouldn't do it, but it's not necessarily the case. So what do you think got you to that point? It seems like a lot led up to it where you're like, you know what, sure. I'm going to be a painter and let me go just do my thing in this way. And as you said, start working on that craft. I think it's easy to look back and start deciphering like the moments in your life that were um, iconic for your future, right? Uh-huh. It's it's easy to look back and go, I remember sitting in a boardroom at Draft FCB working on Taco Bell stuff while I'm listening, but I'm doodling a character and I look at it and I'm like, that thing is ugly. Mm-hmm. But there was also this sense of importance in it. Like, I know this is important. I know that someday that what I put on paper for some reason is important. Mm. I do look back and go, that sense of self-importance, was it influenced or induced because of uh, you know, a child that wanted to be seen? Mm. Or is it that it was really important? Because today I understand that my energy, my power, my whatever that moves people is not necessarily the subject matter, but it is the energy that's embedded in the strokes, in the lines, right? So that's what people are picking up on. That's what's moving them. It's something mm-hmm. beyond me and you, right? And uh, as far as in the physical reality, I, you know, it's a channeling of, of sorts. And so when you look back and then you look here, so it's kind of, that's kind of a funny question that's always yeah. been on top of mind. Like, did I really know? Or yeah. was it something that I had made up? Or did I manifest this self-importance through, you know, this, you know, whatever you, you want to label it psychologically. Yeah, or, or did you were you tapping into, there was something there, like an unharnessed potential that was still, you know, so right. it's like you had that within you. And yeah, it's hard, it's hard to say. Was I it used this? to see it literally as a, yeah. as a brick wall oh. in my head. 
there was this brick wall. I knew on the other side was was wow. infinite energy, infinite power, yeah. infinite ability. Uh, so my whole journey was about to break that. Mm. And then, so I see this journey as you see it as becoming a painter. I see it more as a journey of healing. And each point of, you know, those those real hardcore infliction points were really the next stage in the healing process. Mm -hmm. And so 2015 was the conscious decision of painting, but it was also the first time where I was sat, sitting in a coffee shop feeling kind of like a vortex surrounding me, feeling completely safe, feeling the anxiety falling apart, and then connecting and nothing could bother me around me. Even mm -hmm. in this coffee shop that's busy and people are talking and all this stuff, I'm in this zone. When I look back, I'm like, oh, that's the feeling that people get when they're meditating. Mm -hmm. So that's an alpha state, right? So scientifically, I can pinpoint it now. I can pinpoint it from an artistic standpoint where I was. I was in an experimentational phase where I had all sorts of different tools with me. I literally had a huge toolbox mm. that I had filled with markers and pens and pencils and papers, and I was messing around. And again, promising myself not to monetize that was important because now I didn't have the pressure of making right. that painting make me money. Mm -hmm. So I would work all day, I would paint all day, I would go home and design at night and make sure that, you know, help at home, whatever I could do, and then get back to working. So 2015 to 2019 was that process of transitioning out of full-time design to full-time painting. Mm -hmm. So there's so many layers and yeah. channels that, that are happening here. But when I pinpointed to that moment, I remember uh, it was a call. It was a piece that you can probably Google um, that I remember. This specific moment was, it was called "I love this shit." You can Google "I love this shit." So, mm -hmm. uh, sh shoot, uh -huh, uh -huh. I love this shoot. <laughs> That's what I meant, right? Uh, yeah, I love this uh, stuff, and uh, you can you can look it up. Yeah, and what you'll see is um, that when you get to that point, and when you look at that piece, that was the first piece that I posted on social media. And there was a difference in the way people commented. Mm. So whereas everything else was an exploration of getting there, this piece was there. And it was a messy piece, it was mm -hmm. crazy, it had all sorts of things in it, but for some reason, the response was different. And that was when I knew that I could actually sell it because two people commented, I want this. Mm -hmm. And that was like the magical words of like, and I think that was the first piece I sold the print from, and the original still in my archives. And it was a turning point, again. So when you look at these things, and then 2019 again, being another turning point. Yeah, I think it's, you know, the way you described, like you were in that, like the busy coffee shop, but you were tuned to something within. And you had to also, and not every, everyone will have this luxury, thankfully I think you did, to not have to worry about monetizing it, so you could just focus on it, so you could listen to the voice within rather than only the voice outward of what what's getting validated or not now eventually you did and you talked about getting feedback obviously but you need to tap into that first i think to express that sure and only could you do that when you kind of silenced what was external as far as what was going to be the you know good or the bad response or, yeah yeah i mean at that moment it's not even about the response it's the mind quiets mm -hmm. the work comes through it goes beyond just expressing what was back in, again, 2005, which was anxieties and pains and things. Now you're going through a healing process where you're, it's a meditative process mm -hmm. versus a, um, again, as a friend described as puking on canvas, right? So it's it, it was a different feeling and different vibration and frequency, which we can get into healing stuff. I know sure. you're, <laughs> if, if you want to, and but that was the first steps of like, yeah healing which means transcending the psychological stuff 
not necessarily working through it, which I had tr tried, you know, as most of us do, the traditional ways, but this was on a different energetic and frequency kind of situation yeah. where you start to rise above. And um, that was the beginning of it. Yeah, you know, I mean, you mentioned anxiety because that's a, you know, anxiety is not one of those things we can completely get rid of, you know, and even if we look at what, what it means to have anxiety, we need some level of it or even stress. Like if you're gonna take a test and you have zero stress, you won't do well. Like as far as like some level of alertness there. Sure. So anxiety is one of those things that we need a bit of, but then when we have too much, it gets in the way. Like I love watching sports and you see, you know, great players at the free throw line with the game online and they might get nervous. The anxiety gets in the way of that player expressing their talent, their ability, right? right. And so I think as artists, I'm sure that can happen too, where the anxiety would get in the way of it coming out, but quieting it then allowed you to tap into what was was there or socially people have that sure. if they're you know i work with people and they have social anxiety and they think oh i don't like being at the party but then they actually realize i want to be at the party but i get so uncomfortable i go home right but if i can actually allow myself to be myself and have fun i'd want to be there so it sounded like there's some parallel there too as an artist that you quieted that anxiety a bit to tap into what was within you but i don't know if that's how you know my, my anxiety was probably more extreme uh -huh. it was something that was there consistently mm -hmm. all the time at high levels so it wasn't something that got in the way. It was something that was constantly yeah. happening, mm -hmm. and it was in the work. When I decided that I was going to paint full-time and I was experiencing that moment, for example, the anxiety dissipated, and I was able to, again, channel something else that was embedded in the work that people saw. And people yeah. seem to see layers in works. The more complex a work piece gets, a painting gets, the more people feel it. They feel every single layer. I've, I have paintings that are whitewashed, which means I painted five or six layers of love, happy, cute, anger, whatever, and then I'm like, I don't like this, and I whitewashed it, and which means just a layer of white on yeah. top of it. Took a picture of it, posted it, and people were like, oh my God, there's so much power in this. I feel the love, I feel the anger, I feel, the... and that's because all that energy is embedded. Mm. Now, anxiety for me, now today, yeah, I, I sure I get anxiety here and there, mm -hmm. but it's more like a spidey sense. Yeah. Like, okay, I'm feeling this right now. I don't know why I'm feeling it. I need to pay attention to what's going on and what I need to shift, mm -hmm. and maybe I'm not attending to something that needs to happen. So it works for me rather than, yeah constantly rule my world of like 80 90 percent of my day spending on dealing with the anxiety and fear and then oh i have 10 minutes to do this logo for example mm -hmm. which is what i call the genius of anxiety also mm -hmm. i don't know if you would uh, i would love to yeah. hear your, well, your no, point that's, and that's what it means like, i think in like in subtle levels it's actually needed or even like i mean in small ways for example like i'll be you know doing something i'm like i'll feel something like what i'm like oh i have to call that insurance yes. company about that thing and it's the anxiety that remind if i didn't have that feeling i would have forgotten about right. that thing i need to attend to so we have anxiety so we notice things that can go wrong pay attention to things that could be happening it's and like it could be like a spidey, like a spidey sense, yeah, yeah exactly so and so but, but again when it gets extreme then it gets in the way but at a lower level it could be tapping into something that actually has, has a lot of meaning. So sure. that's why I, I got the sense from you that it wasn't that anxiety disappeared completely, no. but there was some way that even that, yeah, it was very meditative. Like you were able to tune into something sure. within yourself that 
was like you were able to get to the source within yourself and it reminds me of something someone told me a few months ago i thought was really powerful that a lot of times artists get revered as kind of like gods and you know whether they're musicians painters and all that and you know it's like superhuman but this person was like you know what they're not superhuman true artists are even more human than the rest of us because they're tapping into that which is within all of us in a pure way and expressing that and then when we see it we connect to something you know within ourselves so i thought that was cool to think of artists not as superhuman but even like like super at being human in a way like you know getting into that that you know who we weren't it seems like in your art when i see it now like you're expressing something within yourself so purely that it's like you're tapping into something that's really just like you and then a lot of people can connect to that because as humans we all of course i feel like the subject matter is a, a lot of me and i feel like what comes through which is the main sub the main uh things that actually impact are actually within the line and the strokes like the script like i write a language that i can't read or you know it comes from a different place mm-hmm. and i rejected it for the first few uh i want to say a few months and then as i let it come through then it was impacting people the same as a painting of you know a female portrait right so that's when you know that it's not necessarily and when you see me do script i'm not consciously thinking i'm actually letting it pass through mm-hmm. so there is something to be said about yes expressing my anxieties or fears or love or whatever my human emotions versus actually being a clear channel for what comes through Mm -hmm. and if you can do both at the same time you can get some interesting play it's not like i'm always out of the way there's no way you know right we're human right i'm there is going to be days where i'm pissed off and i'm going to come in and put my brush down and you know i might not share it like i used to there's no need you know i've also had experiences where i've shared work that might have disturb someone i think i painted on somebody's wall once and you know the picture was taken and shared and people are like are you okay <laughs> i'm like i'm okay i was having a great time yeah you know, doing this thing it's just it was black ink on a white wall that's what you know it gets to be a little darker so um you have to be conscious of a lot of these different aspects that's you know an interesting point you brought there I'll, you know we, we can get this in for the commercial break but you know, something about you said, like, I might not release it like I did before. Because that's something I, I sometimes grapple with, too. And, you know, we talk about art and censorship and, you know, obviously cancel culture and woke. There's a lot of things that happen. Sure. But I sometimes think that, of course, art involves, even when we look at the brain, like, let's say for creativity, quieting the prefrontal cortex, like the more judgmental side has to kind of go a little bit offline to allow connections to be made and to express what's happening there. Um, but then, so you can let that in the creativity process of creating the art. But then what you release to the world I don't know what you think about that. Do you think artists should at some level look at what they release to the world? Or is it release it to the world and let the world do what it wants? I think after that one incident where there was that, you know, photo of that piece or that mural that went out and it upset at some people around me, right? And there was this question, do I have a responsibility as an artist to not upset people or Hmm. to make people happy or to... I don't think you necessarily do have a responsibility uh, unless it goes extreme and you're actually yeah. hurting people. You don't want to be hurting anyone. But for people to judge you based on it and come back at you, hey, you know what? It's dark today. It's light tomorrow. Oh, sure. It is what it is, right? I don't, yeah. I don't, ex- I don't uh, condone any kind of uh, you know, thing that makes anybody feel bad uh, to extremes. Right. Uh, but at the same time, as I moved forward and I dealt with my stuff and I had clearings and things like that that have happened positively 
my expressions have also shifted yeah where i do want people to feel good i do want people to feel happy when they see my work i do want them to feel like you know they can take the day just because they had a glance at a piece that they were walking out of the room with so yeah yeah and i guess and i'm glad you made that point because definitely i don't think i think uh you know art can be very sad and make people feel whole it should make them feel the whole range of emotions sometimes there's art that can be like you're saying maybe hurtful or hateful right. maybe that's what i'm thinking of more sure. which again it's a lot of gray areas so we're going to get it wrong a lot of times but i think in the creativity process anything goes when you're creating like a you know uh, i've also imagine like a, a scientist in the lab like creating all this stuff but then what they decide to release to the world might be based on what's you know harmful or right. not harmful but definitely not you know because i think sometimes people t take that to the extreme of if it makes people uncomfortable which i don't think should be uncomfortable is not art actually does a great job of exposing sure. injustices in the world that make people feel uncomfortable or things that are uncomfortable feelings they don't want to face that actually sure. can be very good so yeah i was just wondering about that as you mentioned like you might not release it yeah the artist of course has to take i think their own liberty of what I they mean, want to share i, with I might not work. release it also because it just isn't pretty or it's not sure. it's not it's not something that actually was well thought out or you know it doesn't yeah. have any kind of value for the general purpose of selling art for example right right um that's yeah. you know we at the end of the day i am an artist but i'm also a business you know so yeah. it's like uh, what is the purpose of me expressing like you know splattering ink on a wall because i had a bad day you know what i mean right and it could be therapeutic for you just like art therapy sure you know, I could, I'm not good at drawing, but I can draw and it might make me feel good. Now, would I release it? Not necessarily, because that's a uh, Unless it thing. turns out cool. Unless it turns out cool. Yeah. But that's even like art. Like, everyone likes to dance, but not we're not going to go watch everyone perform dance, because not exactly. everyone's going to do you know do it at that level. Speaking of artists that do it at a level, I'm here with Ali Sabet, and we're going to continue <laughs> the conversation after the break. Welcome back. Uh, joined by artist Ali Sabet. And, you know, Ali, as I mentioned, I'm looking at, uh, I appreciate you brought me one of your drawings behind me. And, you know, when you draw now, you talk about working hours a day at it. And I sure. I really appreciate that because uh, I think we were talking, maybe it was off the air, about how um, talent or, you know, it's kind of overrated. It's about the hard work. So mm. I think people watching you, they're like, this guy's just like a natural and i think there is something very natural about it for you but sure. i think it could also be nice for people to hear how hard you work to to develop your craft so maybe you could talk a bit about that what that practicing was like do you always feel like painting or does it you know does it take like sometimes getting yourself going in some way but yeah maybe you can talk about just the practice the process and the yeah. practice yeah the process i mean i mean as far as practice goes it is a daily practice that never stops i mm -hmm. always have a pen or a pencil or markers around uh, typically in my pocket, you know, and the use case has changed, right? Instead of using it to uh, express what was back then to try to escape, today it's to create, to heal, to love, to, you know, and to sell, mm -hmm. right? So it's a business as it is also a practice of uh, art. But from a perspective of getting better, it it is a daily, like, three hour, four hour practice. It was actually to express and to try different mediums. For example, mm -hmm. people ask me, how do I find my style? I'm like, you know, you do it by just doing it every day, consistently creating and finding other tools. Like if you've been, you're used to painting with, you know, magic brushes, you know, try, you know, a, a um, Japanese brush, try some ink. It might not feel natural at first, but the effects that you get are cool. And then you layer it with something else and that, play that we're going back to being a kid is where you find mm -hmm. your next steps and where you want to be 
uh, today I'm so busy that I don't get to play as much. You know, my physical studio has been kind of shut based on the fact that I've been doing so much work digitally for the NFT space, right? And, you know, sometimes drawing 100 pieces in a month, getting ready for the next phase of, you know, the NFT drops and things like that that you have seen. So it is something that needs to always happen. I even created a project called the Sabit Sketchbook Project to force myself to f- uh, complete full sketchbook pages hmm. as full paintings and then minting them as NFTs, selling them as NFTs, uh-huh. just to make sure that I continue that practice. It didn't even matter if I was going to sell them or not. Again, it was a f- self-forced uh, project yeah. just to build that practice back up. Uh, talent is talent overrated? I think so. I think uh, energy, vibration, and frequency is not. I think that's where everything comes together. Uh, you know, being able to raise your frequency, raise your vibration, whatever that means to you, whether it means like meditating, quieting your mind, lowering your anxiety, drinking matcha lattes, <laughs> you know, whatever it is, yeah. you know, those things are what connects you to your source, your yeah. center, being alone. And then creating from that space is a lot more important than, you know, trying to be a better, you know, better at drawing lips or drawing, you know, eyes perfectly. You know, there's a difference between being a technical artist and being a painter or being an artist in general, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about self-expression or expression, expressing what is versus yeah. whatever. Well, and, and it's also a trick when you say what is, it's kind of like what is for you. Like there's right. something you have to tap into. So I think, yeah, when I see like artists, like again, like you learn some of the basics and the rules, but then there has to be something within you. Even as a therapist, I feel that when I've even talked to colleagues, we learn a lot of these techniques, like do this, do this. But then when you kind of have to find your own style, which is something genuine within yourself coming out, if yeah. it's just like, okay, I'm supposed to do X technique at Y time, it, it doesn't, it's not going to be authentic and genuine for the person to connect to. There has to be something within you. Right. Each, and, and take time to trust that. I've realized even for, even for myself, when you're first just a student, you're like, well, I have to just do what they tell me to do. Like, I can't trust the voice within myself, but slowly, and, and often I'll have these, you know, like an analogy or a metaphor comes to my mind, just like, and then I say it to the client. I used to probably not say it. And sometimes the client, like, yeah, that, that's exactly how it felt. And there, mm-hmm. so there's some way of connecting to something that we have to trust. And I feel like as an artist, it's such an ultimate way. You have to trust yourself in that voice. Because sometimes I, I've heard you say, when you start drawing, you don't know what it's going to look like. No. Even You kind of just trust the process of sure. what's unfolding and, and let that be expressed. I mean, what you do for other people is multidimensional, right? Your presence is healing. Your presence mm-hmm. is calming. When you're here with me, I'm in a state where it's like, hey, I'm not on a radio show every day, but I feel like I've been doing this for you know all my life because you you're like here it. and I can, <laughs> I can connect to you and I can kind of channel that. And I think that's what you, you start understanding is that if you can connect to your source, whatever that is for you, you know, for me, it's the matrix and the universe and magical thinking and all this stuff that I like to do. And for someone else, it might be more practical and, mm-hmm. you know, and there's nothing wrong with any of it, right? I, I don't have a position that I want to sit here and push on someone else. Uh, but it's important. I think practice, however that is, just do it, you know? Yeah. And if I was to go back to talk to myself 10 years, 15, 20 years ago, I was like paint and just share it. Because yeah. for me, I noticed that sharing it in front of people was important. I like that feedback. Mm-hmm. I, I need that validation, not so much today, obviously, but I needed it to grow. Mm -hmm. And I made a conscious decision to grow in front of people, meaning on Instagram, for example. From 2010, it was very conscious. I'm gonna grow, this stuff that I'm doing isn't very pretty, it's not very good, but I'll share it anyway. 
today when I look back and I look at that, like let's say the uh, female portrait that I did that was, it went from the head to the neck. It was missing eyebrows. I didn't even know. And I somehow, I feel like I had the confidence of sharing it. I don't know why I told you there was mm-hmm. this sense of importance that was there. When I look back at that, uh, I also understand that I, I had also made a conscious decision of growing in front of people, mm-hmm. growing publicly. Mm-hmm. And I still see those strokes as powerful. I still see them confident, but maybe the technique and the expression wasn't on point. I got better at drawing faces. Mm-hmm. I got draw- better at drawing eyes, but still, I still do them my way. Mm-hmm. I can draw a perfect eye probably if I sat there and put my time into it. Mm-hmm. I'd rather not. Well, yeah, it wouldn't be your eye. Like, you know, like that's, there's something within it that you're expressing that is you, that that's like your style and like that's something or just whatever you want to call it, something within yourself. But what I think is important, what you're bringing up and maybe you can elaborate on it because sometimes, you know, art obviously is very romanticized as it should be. It's tapping into something beautiful, emotional, something that makes us human. And so some artists, you know, I'll hear people think, well, you should paint or you should write when you feel like it. Like the inspiration has to hit you. And then there's some schools of thought, like I read a book, Seth Godin, The Practice and others kind of, you, you just got, and I, mean, I think Stephen Pressfield in The Art of War mm-hmm. um, or The War of Art, he says, you should be, you know, you got to do it every day. You got to be a professional. You got to like do it consistently. So you might not always like quote unquote, feel like it or feel like so inspired. Yeah. And also the resistance can make you make, oh, like I'm not ready yet, but you might be afraid to put it out there. So I don't know, what is your thought? Is it kind of like a, you got to, create a and maybe it's somewhere in between what, it is definitely yeah. somewhere in between there is times where you're not feeling it right but what i do for myself is for example i'm painting digitally right now a lot right yeah i have three ipads each one is charged so i have no excuse yeah if i open it and it's not charged i go to the second one if that's not charged there's the ipad mini and if not if i'm mobile i have a mobile phone that's Samsung. I'm not a Samsung guy, but I made sure to buy a Samsung because it has a stylus and I can draw. Uh-huh. If not that, I have a sketchbook and real pens and papers in my uh, bag that I carry with me. So I don't give myself excuses to yeah. walk away. And I think that's so, but, and that's the So that's what I think was so, for me, fascinating is like, that excuse and because people find you know procrastination usually we think of it as like being quote unquote lazy but mm-hmm. almost always it seems to be related to anxiety and there's something about yeah. as much as you love creating mm-hmm. we know there's an anxiety that can get in the way of putting something out there. there's still a vulnerability i'm sure it's less now than it was or maybe it could be both times there's a pressure when you become more well known but you know there's an anxiety of creating and putting it out there because sure. a lot can happen so it's funny even the way you're saying it, it's like you want to make sure hey look there's no way out like there's no way if out, you, yeah. you you can always find a way to do it so that what do you think that anxiety for you might be about that like about creating or what might get in the way for you there's there's times my my blockage comes when I start having a little bit of a argument with myself. Am I painting to sell or am I painting uh-huh. to fulfill my my own soul, right? So am I doing that? So I tend to be open, like I'll open a file or open a page and I'll stop painting for myself. Hmm. And I'm like, no, dude, you gotta, you're wasting time. You got you got business to to attend to. You have yeah. 30 paintings that you need to do before you know, Coinbase NFT starts in a couple of days. So there's real objectives that I got to do from right. a business perspective. And I know I can knock those out. No, no confidence issues there, but, and no confidence issues here. It's just, is this a waste of time because I'm exploring myself again? Mm-hmm. Or, cause we already know what sells. Yeah. So as an artist, I think a lot of us uh, go through that issue of like creating for, to sell or creating to fulfill ourselves and finding that, and that takes courage to, 
make that line thinner. Yeah. To get to a point where I can draw anything I want and I know that it's going to sell. Right. And that comes with time and sure. your name being known. And at some point, maybe I can just, you know, sign my name. And <laughs> Yeah, I think you already have some of your, and, you know, I love the way you sign your name on your on your work. But that's, and I think when I, when you look at your arc, when, when you've told me about it, it does make there's some of that. You were doing art before, but it was very much like what other people wanted, you know, a logo for them. Sure. But now it's kind of blended to more, it's what you want. And I'm sure it's still, you know, it's still a but dance. It's, still it's not going to be, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I draw the feminine portraits because I know that people accept them. It's interesting. Yeah. It sells well, right? But I might be feeling like I want to draw a skull that day, you know? Mm -hmm. And the skulls do well too, but it has a smaller market. But I want to explore that, but I know that I need to do three of those and one of these. And it becomes a time management issue. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. Uh, and yeah. that's another one of those things where, like, again, art is, I think it is so romantic and it's beautiful. But then again, we're human beings doing it, right? So sure. there are, yeah, you have constraints of time and things that you have to figure out how to right. how to balance that. But I think what's, I hope people also hear is, like, if you think about doing something creative, don't think like, you know, the stars never, I mean, yes, maybe sometimes they align. But a lot of times it's like you're going to have to do it and it still might not feel like you know it's right. Like, you know, you got to take some risk in that. It takes some courage i think often to put something out there sure. that you know we think well you know there's a famous painter someone like you who's an artist and think well it's just so easy for him every time and right. i think it often is but i'm sure there are still the struggles and I, I i share that not so you have to share that you struggle but that's so people recognize it's still an experience no it hasn't have. been easy at all i mean yeah again sitting there and painting and going am i wasting my time am i you know talk about 2015 sitting there at a coffee shop and to not feel guilty, for example, taking time for myself. Mm -hmm. This isn't going to make any money. How am I going to feed my kids tonight? Or, you know, how am I going to pay the rent? And I'm sitting here painting, mm -hmm. drawing like little characters, bunnies and stuff. <laughs> what are you doing with your life? You know what I mean? Or having someone walk in and judge you. So a lot of people are afraid of judgment. Yeah. You know, so many of my clients, oh, is Ali still drawing those Mickey Mouse things? You know, mm -hmm. like, yeah. That's that judgment is there, and you got to be like, I don't care, you know. Yeah. yeah, I'm drawing Mickey Mouse. What do you think? Mm -hmm. Like, go for it, you know. Just do it. Just go paint, draw, whatever it is you want to do. Don't worry about how people think, and be kind to yourself. Allow yourself to take that two hours mm -hmm. and paint without feeling like any obligations to the world. You have to put that time in for your family, but that two hours that you dedicate to your craft could possibly become your future, which we're here. What? And one of my friends did tell me in that coffee shop once, he goes, it's going to take at least 10 years. I'm like, 10 years? I don't have 10 years uh -huh. for you to make it as an yeah, artist, yeah, for yeah. example. Right. That was like 2005. Wow. It took yeah. like 14. It's a, yeah. And, I think, and that's the thing, <laughs> you, know? you know, and that's what, you know, there's like a lot of quotes about like, you know, don't worry about how long it's going to take. The time is going to pass and either you'll be there or, you know, you want, you know <laughs> right. it's like you have clients like, oh, I want to go back to school. And it's like, oh, but it's going to take three years. I'm like, okay, look, three years will pass and you'll either have that degree or you won't. Yeah. It's it's going to be 2025. It's just like, what's going to be? So, sure. you know, the time, obviously we're impatient. We want things to happen, but, um, you know, anything worth having takes time to build. And I think it's very cool to see your creative process. We're coming, uh, you know, about to wrap up the show for tonight. I really hope people will check out your art. Where would you say would be the best ways? I know you have the website. What's the website is? Just sabit.art. You can go sabit.art. And if you're interested in the NFT world, you can check out the mm -hmm. NFTs. There's a NFT link on there and there's all my different collections. That's probably what's going on. Healingcodes.io. That's mm -hmm. my new project. That's my new NFT project that deals with healing and uh, mental wellness and physical wellness and things like that. We're creating a platform for people to share their gifts uh, with with people. 
And yeah, you know, I think that that's probably the fastest and easiest way to reach my stuff. And Instagram, obviously, Instagram yeah. and Twitter at Sabet S A B E T. Um, yeah, and we'll put, I'll make sure we'll, we'll probably take a picture tonight and post it so people can find it on my social media in case you haven't found him yourself. But yeah. please check out his work. Uh, Ali Sabat is an incredible artist, a very kind human being. Yeah. Ali John, thank you for joining me tonight. Thank you. I, I just wanted to say one note. A, a couple of days ago, I wrote something on Twitter. I said, and my friends used to always tell me it's about the journey. And I was like, I don't care about the journey. I just want the destination. <laughs> uh -huh. Today I find out and I kind of realized that it's neither about the journey or the destination. It's about the ever-present now. Mm. So, Yes. It's about that, the moment. I thank you for having me thank on the show. Thank you for being in these ever-present moments with me <laughs> today. We'll hopefully have you back soon. Again, thank a big you. thank you to Ali Sabet. And as always, a big thank you to Amir here in the studio. You've been listening to In thank Session you, with Dr. Fadir Delaqui. Have a wonderful night. Mm -hmm.